all must combine in their respect and help for this delicate work of formation which the little child carries in the depth of the profound psychological mystery under the tutelage of an inner guide for the constructive work that the human soul is called upon to do. I love that. Just like this whole thing about the child as it's... Um, call upon its to this inner source to do the work it does and to grow and learn. I know it's really she she was all over it. Yeah. She was all over it. Oh, and this I thought was great. Um here, I'm just gonna read this. This is all page fifteen. We we also when we speak of education are proclaiming a revolution, one in which everything we know today will be transformed. I think of this as the final revolution, not a revolution of violence, still less of bloodshed, but one from which violence is wholly excluded for the little child's psychic productivity is is sticken to death by the barest shadow of violence. What has to be defended is the construction of hum, human normality, have not all of our efforts been aimed at removing obstacles from the child's path of development and at mm -hmm. keeping away the dangers and misunderstandings that everywhere threaten it? This is education. What the heck did I write there? Um, understood as a help of life on education from birth, which feeds a peaceful revolution and unites all in a common aim, attracting them to a single center. All must be combined, and then, and then that goes on to that other piece. But I thought that was so great in that notion of um, we as humans or as adults and guides working with children in their development, and particularly in the notion of inclusivity in the work, you know, in the educational field, like, we have to be careful of our own biases, you know, when working with children and our own, you know, examine, constantly examine our understandings because our misunderstandings and speaking from the, them can be damaging to the child and to their psyche and development. Yes, which seems to also come back to this idea that we keep, that we keep, coming to is that we are called upon to pay specific and very clear attention to our own, you know, to what we're bringing into the situation, because as soon as we add that spin, then, then we're, we're no longer seeing necessarily what the child is expressing or, or demonstrating or showing us, but we're seeing the child's response or reaction or you're even, you know, patterned behavior that comes as a result of, of an adult telling the child what to do, so mm. to speak. And we lose that that opportunity to see the child's true nature come to the to the moment there. And right. then so that's what we're really looking for. Right. Because otherwise we're kind of forcing our own selves and our own will upon yeah. the child and what they we expect them to do but they have everything they need within them. They're human whole beings with this inner source of energy and love that guides them. Yeah, um, Mr. Yost, I remember him talking about the, the idea with adults where he, uh, he, he, uh, he used the, uh, 
the uh, the metaphor of gum. He says we we uh, we take the gum and we chew it, and we get the flavor out of it, and then we give it to the child. Oh, oh <laughs> so that's... that really what we we want to give them the, the gum with all the flavor in it, right? And it's not we're taking it out and we're chewing that. Right. Let me out. first experience this for you, <laughs> <Here>. and then. <laughs> <laughs> feed you the leftovers. Feed you a little bit of ABC gum. <laughs> I would have liked to meet him. <laughs> he was a funny guy, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah. But I was like, was, I went, oh no, that was all that I had. Yeah, here's the, here's the one that I like. Because we're talking about love as as being something that's that's loaned to um, oh yeah to life, you know, so that in 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 creatures um, throughout life, there's this 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 urge that that um, leads to reproduction, and um, and that in in most life forms that urge comes and it passes in the reproductive act you know, is, is an expression of that love. And then that love is sort of like, it's almost like nature takes it back and says, Oh, you've had your, you know, your, your allocation and it's going to do its thing. But in humankind, um, we hold it and we have the capacity to maintain a constant, steady, um, uh, sorry about that. Yeah, that's all right. Um, yeah, we have we get to to live in that. Here's the quote that I always come back to, um, and it's from Montessori in Love and Its Source of the Child. But love is much more than we have said so far. In man's mind, it has been exalted by fantasy, but in us, it is no other than one aspect of a very complex universal force, which, denoted by the words attraction and affinity rules the world, keeps the stars in their courses, causes the conjunction of atoms to form new substances, holds things down on the Earth's surface. It is the force that regulates and orders the organic and the inorganic, and which becomes incorporated into the essence of everything and of all things, like a guide to salvation and to the endlessness of evolution." It is generally unconscious, but in life it sometimes assumes consciousness. And when felt mm. in the human heart, we call it love. That's awesome. What page is that? That's, that's 294, 294 in this particular copy. Yeah. Oh, right. Um, that makes me my mind go to the whole notion of um, we're all connected everything is connected everything and like even the elements like everything has all of the elements in it the five elements like rocks anything it's inanimate or animate like we're all made of the same fabric we're all made of star dust and yes. we're all connected and in love is the universal force that creates all of life it's like we can't forget and just disregard the notion that we have this like incredible force that's positive and true and good and like and it strikes me that we um that what we're working at in our 
in our own human expression, but also very specifically as 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 Montessori people, is that you know what is the um, what are the tools, or what is the tool? What are the ways that we are going to make it possible for us to to remain? Um, first of all, very much aware of this mm. force that's going on and then to become an active participant in that force. Um, and and that's, to me, where we come to this uh, overlap of the practice of, of Montessori, which is based on observation as a scientific education. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's we observe something and then we experiment to see what um you know what what our how our observation holds up um and and it takes an incredible discipline to to get away from the idea that we have to change something or that we have to do something or that we have to make something by by learning this this capacity to to separate and stand apart from and observe um we are in a position to see um, that love or that development manifesting in a in an unencumbered way, which always brings me back to this idea of yoga as a, a as an essential science and practice that, at its foundation, if I have it correctly, calls for us to establish a a a, a place, a witness place, a place of engagement, but not. Um, not emerging with necessarily. There's a there's a a, a place of 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 holding a, um, uh, the point of view of the witness, the observer, something like that. Yeah, I think so. You know, in both, you're um, both hold the importance of not like like we don't want to beat ourselves up. It's like oh, I see my you know oh yeah. I can, I see myself sitting, I see in, even in like practicing meditation, you know, in practicing quieting the mind and thoughts come in and we could be like, ugh, I couldn't, I couldn't sit, I couldn't quiet my mind. My thoughts just kept on coming and like, you know, following the thoughts and then beating ourselves up about following the thoughts, which is like, we can, you know, Instead, we can use the witness um, observer to be like, oh, yep, there was that thought. And that's it. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I'm practicing and the thought came and there it goes. And now I'm back. And, you know, and just kind of letting it go without judgment, without like harshness to, harshness to ourselves, which is treating ourselves with love and kindness. And in translating that into the classroom it's the same like we can you know beat ourselves up as teachers and guides and being like oh i didn't set that up properly look at that kid engaging and not able to or blah 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 or whatever our inner dialogue is or oh that kid there they go like they're not using it correctly or they're whatever it is like whatever the thought is if it's positive or negative honestly it doesn't have to be one or both, just this, you know, like coming to a neutral place and just seeing is 
you know, we can see and and we could probably then see too that the child is coming from a place of love and working. And if, you know, if they're not able to, like I'm thinking about inclusion, you know, and I'm thinking about children who maybe can't interact because they're overwhelmed by what's presented. And, you know, we could look at them still with a neutral eye from unlove and saying, oh, like, everybody wants to say, no child comes into a classroom or into the world and says, I'm going to mess things up. I hate everybody. I, you know, they don't like they want to do their best. Like they're trying to learn and grow and use this internal force to manifest their being and manifest love. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and if we just see that and then like maybe that neutral observation can then be contemplated later outside of the observation and say, oh, maybe I need to break this material down a little bit. I need to break this task down. And then the child can access and experience the full joy. And, you know. I'm, I'm, <clears throat> I'm captured or struck by, by your, your contemplation because when we talk about... Um, I don't know if you'd call it stages of yoga or the process by which um, through the practice of yoga we reach you know, a one-pointedness of mind or maybe samadhi is the terminology for it. And that's like the ultimate goal. But we start with, um, and, and Montessori talks about it in The, um, the Secret of Childhood, that, that the first thing we need to do, she relates it to the seven sins of, you know, oh, yeah. of, of I guess it's Catholicism, um, uh, but but the first order is and in and in in yoga, it's the first thing we knew is we need to clear out the stuff that's that's our negative thought patterns or our behaviors that are that are holding us up. That's the f sort of the first thing you got to clear the house, and as you're clearing the house, you're you're incorporating things that are uh, life supporting. Mm. developmentally and you know beneficially on a whole nother level so it's get rid of this stuff bring in stuff that we know we need and then and then we proceed through um through stages of attention and concentration and it's only after after concentration that we reach a point where we are able to con contemplate something which is to hold a, um an image or a thought or a perspective and to um, look at it from different angles, but with a, with the eye of someone who's not necessarily caught up in it. Mm, that that from an that, observational. From, it's an observational point of view. Contemplation is a is a is a willingness and a um, an, an ability, I think, to be able to um, to hold something separate and to consider it from a number of different angles without ourselves um, getting caught up in it. Right. And I think this is really the the essence of the kind of what we're talking about when we talk about observation. Yes, we have to take notes of the number of times they do this and what materials the children go to and you know what causes di disruption and and then how that disruption is comes back into some kind of a, a centered uh, homeostasis, I guess, is what it w would be. Um, but it, but it's it's that that yogic principle of contemplation which sets the stage 
in the in the practice of yoga, as I understand mm. it, to 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 reach a final state of of liberation. Right in concentration, it's and I think when you're talking about that with the child and looking at you know being able to just examine a piece of um, like a material or you know it's like we're and I think this is. This is what I hear you saying, like which where it crosses in yoga, because we're getting, we're eliminating the static of what our senses bring in as distraction. So if we can eliminate distraction, we can become like one pointed in our minds, which is going into deep meditation, which is realizing our own beings and coming closer to that, you know, uh, place where we're one with our soul and, and in a child with a child who is contemplating something from that place of concentration, they're not distracted. They're not distracted by all of the, whatever the thoughts and intrusions and sounds, and they're just focused. So and that's what we're looking for, right? Like that's where growth and comes from. And like, um, I think where original thinking would come from too. Or it's like, it's like where a you know, in a child, they're realizing things that they didn't understand before, or they're maybe having a feeling that they didn't have before. It's just like maybe that feeling is joy and love. Maybe that's what's coming out. I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, it strikes me. I don't know if this is a direct answer to your to to your query, but um, uh, this idea that Yostin writes in in the article <clears throat> that that's um, that's posted there. Yeah, um, it's really a, a a very strong and seminal, I'd say, um, piece. But he says that when we practice our observation. We also have to add to that practice, you know, we have to observe from a particular point of view, which is somewhat separated from, to to not become fully engaged in it, but to observe it for its, um, for what's actually happening there, mm-hmm. just, and to try not to have too many judgments on it. Right. But that he tells us that we need to be able to go back and to contemplate, mm-hmm. to to reflect upon those things, not at the moment in the classroom right. necessarily, but as a, a series of, of observations that we have um, engaged in and not become tied up in as, oh, I have to do this to do that, and I better do this now because it, you know, the time is running out and we have to have snack or whatever, whatever right. else is driving us. We need to be able to, um, to, to take a point where we're, we're actually looking at that and taking it in and then return, usually in a note-taking situation. If you're really practicing this, you're, you're spending some time each day journaling. Mm-hmm. Um, primarily what you're observing, but then as a side benefit of that clear description of what we've seen to be able to then... Um, begin to reflect upon it mm-hmm. and to begin to contemplate and to hold it as something that can be looked at from different angles and can be perceived in different ways. Yeah, and what that makes me think of is the piece where, um, I mean, you speak to it, Montessori speaks to it, 
of that notion of we are, she says it right in the beginning of the book. Um, yeah, I'm not going to be able to go back to it in this moment. Like, I, it'll make me too crazy. But like, we she don't want you to be too crazy. Yeah, I'll get crazy. But she talks about um, the notion of um, it's like the gift of the child. Like, we are our the ch- the children are our guides. We are like we bring children in the world, and then they teach us, and they're our guides to really to learn and grow as we see them take off, right? Because like, that's like, if we can observe and if we can sit and observe without bias, without all the extraneous thinking of the outside of the present moment, then take that and contemplate in the way that we are seeing the child, we're observing the child to contemplate and what their experience is. We take it later and we contemplate on the observation of watching the child contemplate. <laughs> and we're reflecting and only in reflection do we really grow, I think. Like we use the experience to contemplate and reflect and then that's where growth occurs because that's where we can realize things. I, I mean, I'm sure that's that's kind of black and white of it. And, you know, I know it's more nuanced than that and learning and growing. But I really do think that without, you know, pure observation and then reflection, it's like we kind of would stagnate ourselves. Huh, yeah. You know, like if we don't reflect on something, we're not growing from it. Well, this strikes me, Mr. Yosin also spoke often about... Um, what he called the royal road of 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 human development, in which the um, the the children and the adults would kind of have equal standing. Oh, and they would be really working side by side as a as a collaborative effort of development. Mm. So that and the tendency is that you know the children. I see it even in. You know, this day and age, there's this prejudice that Montessori spoke about a lot of we don't think the children can do it oh, yeah. without us. Yeah. And and we think that, you know, we have so much to offer and, and, you know, we're directing the class or we're setting up the school or we're guiding this child's development. Ultimately, um, if we are humble enough mm. if we are willing to um to to put aside our own um you know impulses yeah. which is a yogic practice and our ego setting our aside ego, our ego we set we set that aside and we begin to become you know collaborators mm. in the in the process of development which is as you and i have spoken about before gets us to the to the this whole idea of a, a of a of a Montessori method, which is a, a certain number of, you know, activities done in particular kind of ways in particular settings and in particularly prepared environments, which facilitates the emergence of a genuine development. Um, but also then it, it, it touches much 
deeper on on this idea of the Montessori movement, mm. which is the restoration of um, an egalitarian relationship between adults and offspring. Mm-hmm. Because what's that's what we would like to pass on is this is this sense of of a collaboration, so that our children are not growing up thinking that they have to match some kind of um, set of circumstances or, or meet expectations that are being laid upon them by a school, by a society, by an adult population that has that largely had had that largely done to them in their childhood. Right. It's like we're trying to break a, um, a cycle, cycle yeah. of that kind of dependency and to and to elevate the work that the children are doing to to that being the leading edge it's it's that whole entropic and syntropic phenomena mm. are the children developing because we are doing something for them or are the children developing because they are driven by this love that we spoke about mm-hmm. and that we get on board and do everything we can to facilitate that because they're the ones who have the the real juice. They're right. the ones who have what's necessary. Right. Hence, the two things. The yep. education as rev- is a revolution. As a revolution. Or as a revolution. And the chewed gum. Like, we don't want to give the kids the chewed gum. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> because then we're robbing the experience. We're driving by ego. We're giving them everything they need so that they can, you know learn which i mean we are providing an environment and you know safety because you know children are small and don't have their wherewithal around them to have all of that yet they're growing and learning we have to provide like a safe you know passage while they do their exploration but if we take away our ego and be like wow look at what they can do kids can do any kids are so freaking smart (laughs) Well, it demonstrates that exactly that 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 it's a it's a discipline, yeah, to not chew the gum. It's a discipline to to see what needs to be done and to do just that, yeah, to not take it over, yeah. Um, I think in the first, no, that's not the one I wanted. I wanted that observation one, but that's all right. Um, the the article. Yeah. Oh. Let um, me just take a quick look. Okay. We might be able to edit that out. Want to grab me a know. cup while you're looking? Where's my bag? Where's my bag? I don't know. <laughs> what did I do with that? Hey, Will, you're you're uh, you're an ace, man. This is really awesome <laughs> that you're able to do that. I know. It's so much easier to. Yeah, to just sort of flow on that and not worry about the technology. Huh. Can't I don't find know. Your oh, bag? I, oh, there it is. Okay. Well, now that we're all just up and around, I'll get a cup. Huh? Well, I have one. Do you have? Um, do you want some tea? Sure. Some tea, yeah. This is still just running and going well. Is that yeah. true? <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> we can edit it out. Or not. Or not, right. <laughs> After all, it is a fireside conversation. A little chat. Okay. 
it's oh. it's right at the start of the the, the whole observation uh, thing. Okay. And it's from the absorbent mind, but the real help, which the directress can give, does not consist in blind obedience to the impulse of feeling. In her love for the child, she has to introduce discipline. Discrimination has to guide this love in its manifestation. Love bestows greater satisfaction on the giver than on the receiver. True love serves those in need of it without drawing attention to itself. And when it reveals itself, it is not in the guise of a benefactor, but as one who performs a natural and spontaneous act. Oh my God, that I was just reading, like I was, as I was looking for quotes that just say the same thing between Montessori and yoga. I was looking, I came across this uh, book on Bhatki yoga, which I have, which I haven't fully delved into, but it's, uh, Bhatki is devotion, um, the yoga of devotion. Uh And what it says, it's from like the Adara Sutras. I think I have that right, the Adara. Don't quote me. No, (laughs) I won't. (laughs) You know, Sanskrit. Right. Um, But uh, it talks about, I mean, devotion. And this is talking about devotion to God, but God as our true self of love, you know, love as a universal force. It's kind of the same thing, the universal force. Um, and, um, shit, I think I lost it. Um, uh, the notion that true devotion, and we know devotion, we could think of devotion in this sense as devotion to the children. Yeah. It's, it is selfless. It's if we're, the the example that he gives in this book is if we are praying to our God in that notion of, oh, just please give me this and I'll do anything, you know, um, it's a if it's a tit for tat. And that's not really true devotion. It's not really true love. It's tit for tat. You do this for me, I'll do this for you. And if we're really expressing devotion it's selfless and that's the type of love that brings us forward on a path to self-realization and in this case it's the same if we're truly devoted to the um witnessing a child grow and realize their come to their own um potential human potential then we're just providing just like what just what you said just what they need to help them on their way and but it's 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 their experience and we're equal we're learning and growing from them they're oh for the learning and growing from though they are because if we're we are examples of what we have learned like we're if we're living a life that's full of love and peace and you know um kindness we're offering that way of being to the child and that's and they're feeling that and learning from that experience but we're learning from them as they develop their understanding and i think we learn and grow from kids we learn and grow about our own selves you know we see a child and it hits a chord it's just like oh yeah 
And, you know, we, we learn and grow from that. So. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of went around and around and around, but. And we learn and grow when we, when we're able to, um, to, um, hold ourselves in that, in that witness place. Right. When, because that provides us with that, that, that inner strength. And, and it has, and you and I have discussed this before we talked about it, this idea that, um, when you think about, um, the world religions and you think about, you know, things that have developed by humankind for the purpose of, um, establishing a direct experience of something greater than self. Mm. Um, um, it's often placed in religions on, you know, a figure or, or a, an ideal yeah. that we aspire to. And, and yet when we look at the, the whole of creation and we look at life, we find that there's those two aspects about life that are, absolutely vital is number one that life form has to stay alive oh, mm-hmm. and number two that life form has to reproduce as a species mm-hmm. and so it's not lost on me that while there are a number of disciplines we can use to come to know the buddha to to you know merge with the, the sacred heart of jesus all of these uh, you know, aspirations toward other in life on earth, the greatest kind of um, place of, of establishing unity is within this, the, the species itself, mm-hmm. within mm-hmm. this idea of devoting to the children, right. to the offspring, yeah. that kind of you're the best we got this yeah. is what this is this is the union that is most practically available to me and most practically beneficial to all of us right it, it is devotional love it is devotional love mm-hmm. yeah and you know unconditional love like i was i read this this is also from the spot key book like you know unconditional love isn't isn't just a given. It's like we have unconditional love for our offspring, you know, maybe for children, for, you know, someone in our... It, you have to gain a place in a person's heart to gain unconditional love, uh-huh. you know. And um, we can... that I think that can be developed and... In our in witnessing children, in observing children, because with un, if we're observing children without bias, that is an unconditional place. You know what I mean? Like it's it's I mean it's it could be unconditional love, but it's also it's like it's if we're just observing and we're not putting anything on it that is the kind of the same thing like unconditional love is that we're not putting anything on it it's just a pure love so if we can translate that into that work it's like we're working then from what Maria Montessori is talking about like this place of love this place of revolution because it's not violent because it it's towards peace because we're 
allowing children to be our guides. <laughs> and it, it strikes me that a, that, a, that a tremendous amount of trust yeah. comes forth. We are trusting the developmental power and impulses that the children are more in touch with in themselves than we are in ourselves. Right, we get clouded by... Yeah, we build all whatever. these other things on, and, and in a way, the, the, our contact with the children um, is, is rejuvenating, and it's, and it's, um, it's, it's a balm that, um, that soothes our, you know, our continued development, because the children don't have a choice. They're, they have to, Montessori called it, you know, fundamental development. Right. It's, it's inexorable, and, and science has confirmed now that it's around about the age of 25 that the, you know, the brain and the, the whole system of the human being has reached maturity. And, right. and, and at that point, whether we know it or not, we have a choice to either continue to develop and to, you know, explore tremendous regions of, of possibility within ourselves as adults, mm-hmm. um, but we can stop too. Mm-hmm. We can choose that it, it's it's really, there's nothing else I want to do. And I'm, I'm afraid there are some people in the world who, you know, who get lost in that, whether by their own, um, you know, by their own circumstances or their own impulses. Right. Yeah, that's true. I think about mind. I don't know. This brings me to mindfulness, you know, which is within yoga is mindfulness. Mindfulness has been extracted as its own thing because, well, it is standalone, but it's also yoga is mindfulness. Where, yep. Um, and yeah. we would say that observation is mindfulness too, would we not? Yes, exactly. This is exactly. I'm sorry. Did I take no. you? I'm sorry. No, no, you didn't take anything. We're just on the same page. <laughs> Yes, you know, so to like, because as adults, we have all this other stuff that we bring along with us. And we, we, it's like almost a, I mean, I think for some people, like they live in the moment, and they're really good in it. And for other people, it's like, it's a continued practice to remember how to be in the moment, to be present, to breathe, all of these pieces that we see children, they just are, they just do, <laughs> unless they're clouded by adults, of course, and others' judgments. Um, but through mindful practice, we can get back to being in the present moment and being better observers or being true to observation. And so... In the context of this particular course and the idea of, you know, developing observation practices within a staff, um, we look at not so much um, technique, because as I think as we've seen, you know, some of the, f- the films that were posted in the classroom what Mr. Yostin has written about it, what other people's experience are, there are a number of different avenues by which we can develop our our skill as observers and which we are called upon to develop our skill. And there's no, in my mind, uh, there's no 
one way about that. Right. That that different people are going to do it in different ways. I think the the point that we're underscoring over and over again is that as you engage in that practice, however you choose to to do that, we're inviting you to take that that um, that step away and to recognize sort of your integrity as a as a, a fully realized being engaging in this process and to um, not use it as a, a, a means to just run whatever your thoughts on it might be. Right. But to use those observations and use the discipline of observation, whichever form you choose to take, to create a, um, a place where you can, where one can um, um, isolate and um, extract um, sort of kernels of, of insight mm. um, based on based on experiences, based on repeated experiences with the same child, with different children in different ages to begin to develop this idea of what can I do to facilitate this, um, the emergence of this, which I have witnessed. Mm. This makes me think again, back to, I don't know if I said this while we were recording or not. So <laughs> forgive me if I'm repeating, but, um, Montessori and, um, the absorbent mind, um, I didn't read this. This was another thing that I kind of came across. And like, I think about in um, in preparation, you know, just because of this course and in preparation for Montessorians to um, bring inclusion into the schools in the best way possible. And I think Montes in Montessori schools, they probably do pay attention to this. You know, I think of Maple Hill School. Um, where we worked of, you know, it's like the importance of what does the child need to like, how are we providing what the child needs to enable them to foster their, you know, well-being and growth. And, um, you know, so we look at like, well, what is, oh, this child in inclusion, I think, you know, there needs to be attention to how children are coming in, what do they need to be successful? Is this child hungry? Did this child sleep? What, you know, went on last night for this child? You know, that maybe they're not able to participate in the classroom, so to speak, in a way that one would expect, you know, and through observation we see like, huh, you know, and then we think about it later and it's just like, hmm, this happens every Monday or whatever it is, you know, what's going on, and then we can talk to the parents or whatever. But in um, coming, bringing that back to um, Dr. Montessori, she, on page 12 in the Observant Mind of that, the copy that you have, this one, <laughs> um, she says, and this is part of the quote, um, of the, if the home fails the lack of means, 
then it is required of society not only to give needed instruction, but the support necessary for bringing up the children. If education signifies a protection of the individual, if society recognizes as necessary to the child's development things the family cannot provide, then it is society's duty to provide those things. The state must never abandon the child. Oh, nice. Yep. And I, you know, that really struck me. It was like the state can never abandon the child. Like we can't abandon children because of our biases to think, oh, well, that child can't make it in this environment. You know, they're coming in and they're a disruption to what I'm doing in my classroom. And like as administrators, we need to be able to help the, um, uh, not just the mission, but the, um, the culture, the school culture to embrace all children, that we don't abandon children. We provide what is needed for their success. And if that's, this child needs to eat a good breakfast, they might not have had breakfast, we provide breakfast. You know, if it's this child needs to run and jump, which is another thing that at some point I'm going to write down the quote of movement <laughs> that Mon Maria Montessori, I think I wrote the page down because I was like, wow, page 141 on movement, how you don't, you cannot separate the two, movement and education, like, go, like you it's just how it is. You have to have movement um, and the mind, the movement and the mind. Um, you know, so we, through reflection and pure observation, we can distill what is necessary for each child and break things down or build things up or provide so that they can develop in their to, the, to be their own best selves, to be to their potential. Which brings me um, to this sort of what, what, <clears throat> what I've heard referred to as sort of the threefold test to, you know, to determine if an activity is, you know, is developmental. Oh. Um, and, and the first is that it's, it's freely chosen based on interest. Mm. So first order business is to is to find what is interesting for the child. And part of what Montessori's genius was in my mind was that she came up with a number of activities and 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 educational tools that demonstrated the capacity to spark interests across cultures. You know, it didn't matter if the children were rich or poor what country they were. It didn't have to be the, the shining brand, brand new, um, you know, materials. Right. Oftentimes it was something else. But does it engage interest? And look at our own selves. When we're interested in something, then we we want to be engaged in it. And so if the the choice to follow an interest is provided... And is unimpeded. There's a, a high level of the possibility that that child will, or that person, whether it's a child or you and me, right. if we if we are in a position to follow our interests and act upon our interests, we increasingly run the risk of becoming engaged mm. and 
and entering some state of concentration, whether it's a deep, high state of concentration or just a surface bit of concentration, right. some, something that sort of rivets our interest and our attention into, in this case, an activity where we're moving our hands and upon complete, completion of whatever that interest is, there's a sense of satisfaction and well-being mm. that is the third step that comes out of it. So we have interests leads to engagement in a state of concentration and that results in a sense of well-being. And that sense of well-being, that sense of having been satisfied, that sense of being fulfilled mm -hmm. by having followed their interests, becoming engaged and, become, and being fulfilled means that the next time an interest comes along, there's this sense of, oh, I know about this. I follow interest. I get engaged. I feel fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And that's the, that is the, that's the, that's the test. And that's what we're looking for. Mm. What can we do to not impose our interests on, I'm not going to impose my interest on what I want you to be doing right. because I'm so interested in your doing it. Until you have some quality of interest yourself, and I might adapt or manipulate or change this particular material or this particular activity in such a way so as to hook you mm -hmm. with right. the interest. So right. you become interested, and then that interest means you be, you, you're, you're auto-directing, mm. you're self-directing yourself into that. You're becoming engaged. And if that has, in fact, satisfied a developmental need, we feel fulfilled right. by having done it. That is so beautiful. I love that so much. And it makes me think of like, you know, when we think about the gifts that children offer, it's like that is such a gift for an adult to see and recognize. Because like I think about, like I shared, did you read the article on awe? If you haven't, you should read it. It's like, well, you should. You could. It, it's good. <laughs> I won't should you. If I, if I, I'll do it if I remember. How's that? <laughs> but it's, you know, that notion of like awe is um, children have, have it, you know, and like it's a muscle to practice as an adult where we're really like those little moments of where we're awestruck by something of beauty or whatever it is that catches that feeling. Well, would you say awe is, is intense interest? Mm, I don't know if I would say awe is intense interest. I mean, I think it's a little bit of a different beast. I think of awe as something that catches our eye from, like, the snow falling in moonlight or in sun, you know, where, you know, it's not going to fall in moonlight. The, the sun, uh, the snow sparkling in the, in sunlight or moonlight. And it's this glistening, like sparkling, like just amazing thing that happens. And it's just like, if, if one sits back and notices 
and breathes that in deeply, that feeling is just this immense, like, it's awe. It's well, like, it strikes me that, that, and it brings us entirely and fully into the present moment. It does. Which so, is essentially what we're trying to do with observation. Exactly. So those moments of developing our sense of awe, developing gratitude is a muscle, you know, like, for, you know, it's like the little things that we can remember. It's like, I think as adults, we forget how to do these things. We forget how to breathe with our diaphragms <laughs> because, <laughs> because life, you know, so, Roger that. we forget about awe. We forget about how to be grateful for the little tiny minutiae of things that occur, you know. And I think we forget maybe about like, oh, if I, with of interest to... Um, engagement, engagement to fulfillment, and like IEF, IEF. <laughs> I love it. You know, it's like these are gifts that if we are noticing and not judging, we see and can experience through the children, and and you know, it's like a muscle that we can practice ourselves, and but we're reminded and how to. And to what it looks like and feels like through the eyes of a child. Yeah. And if we're looking at that engagement, that interest engagement and fulfillment, that also means that if we see interest that's followed by engagement, even if it's not something that we would have necessarily expected or asked the child to do or wanted the child to do, we... It's only if we're in a position of of receptivity are we, we then able to let that play out mm. and let that that three part cycle fulfill itself the the interest the engagement fulfillment it doesn't if if we stop it because that's not the kind of engagement that I was anticipating oh, I wanted yeah. you to engage like this and the child's like well, okay well fine I'm done with everything yeah but if we can hold back because we've developed this that muscle of 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 not necessarily jumping in mm -hmm. but of seeing it then we might see we might be re rewarded because that sense of fulfillment permeates the whole environment and everyone around mm. the fulfilled person is touched by that fulfillment right it's like a synergistic energy i'd say Mm. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I think yep. we should put something about that in one of our Padlets. Yeah. Just right, just yeah. a last little close then because yeah, you because you brought up synergy. <laughs> synergy. <laughs> I always love the idea that, you know, entropy is the, the tendency for things to, you know, to to fall apart, I guess, is how it's sometimes said. Um and it's basically a cause and effect. Um, this happens and this happens and this happens and this happens. Whereas Montessori tended to take the work of the Italian physicist Finapi, I don't remember his first name, but talked about the future is calling the present into being as opposed to the past is establishing what the future will be. Mm. The syntropic phenomena is the future is arranging circumstances so that 
what is to emerge will have the possibility of doing that. I've never heard of that. That's awesome, Michael. Syntrop. I'm writing it down because I, I want to remember syntropic energy. And what was the a physician's name that she? Finapi, I think. And I think it would be, he's an Italian guy, so he, he would be, um, yeah, it would be phonetically spelled. Love it. What do you think? Well, that was a so exciting. <laughs> Lovely chatting with you, Roseanne. <laughs> you too. I'm hot by the fire. Yes. So uh, maybe we can pay attention to the camera for a minute. We just did our a little fishbowl conversation. Um, fireside chat number two. Um, I want to thank Will Cottis, who is our... <laughs> Our tech Dur- man. Our tech yes, director. we are. He, he would turn he's the camera on himself, camera. but uh, <laughs> he, he's not dressed. <laughs> Impromptu, absolute technical support. Yeah. Um, thank you. Thanks, Will. observing this conversation. All right. Well, I hope you all got something. Enjoy enjoyment out of that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Of some sort. And, and if you have some responses, padlet them. Please. That would be amazing. Cool. All right. See you Saturday. Bye. <laughs>